Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. This is Danny Davis with the Austin American Statesman. As always, joined by Kirk Bowles, Cedric Golden, Thomas Jones. Hope everyone out there watching um, or listening to us, so wherever you get your podcast or watching us on YouTube or the website, we hope you all had a happy holidays. Everyone's refreshed. You know, got got some eggnog in them, got some presents under the tree. Santa didn't leave them cold because maybe Santa left you tickets to the Sugar Bowl. We know that's what, what Santa left the Texas Longhorns. That's what they left the Washington Huskies. Left us a couple plane tickets, so that's where we're going tomorrow. We're recording this on a Tuesday. On Wednesday, we're heading out to New Orleans to meet the team and cover the Sugar Bowl. I finally get to retire this old uh, 2018, uh, 2019 Sugar Bowl sweatshirt and get, get myself a new one. But uh, yeah, we've it's been about two, three weeks since the announcement came down that Texas is going to be playing in the Sugar Bowl. Um, we, we had an emergency podcast right then and there. Um, three weeks later, Kirk, we'll start with you. What's kind of your reaction to this matchup? Have, you, have your thoughts changed at all about it? But what's kind of just, what are you thinking about the Sugar Bowl as we head into head into the trip to New Orleans? I don't think anything's really changed. I still expect it's going to be a lot of fireworks, going to be a offensive shootout, I think. Uh, you got two high-powered offenses. And uh, the one thing that's always uh, so curious about these bowl games and playoff games that they come almost a month after your last game, and you lose some of that rhythm. You know, your offenses aren't always in sync, and it might, you know, take them a quarter or two to kind of to get uh, get going again. So that's always fascinating to me. And I don't know if that has a lot to do with prep or just, you know, football they're used to playing every week. And then when they have that bye week, and we go two weeks without seeing Texas play, it seems like an eternity. So it'll be really interesting to me just to see how uh, these two teams handle the layoff and, uh, you know, their preparations and when they get out of the routine. Said your thoughts? And, and said, I just want to know the only reason I let Kirk go first this time is because he's going to the championship game of our uh, our office fantasy football league. So I think uh, he, he gets that as his prize. But said, said your thoughts. I don't do fantasy league anymore, Daniel. So. <laughs> and I haven't for the last 13 weeks. <laughs> I'm going to tell you guys uh, the, the one thing, and congrats, congrats to the uh, sitting ducks and the um, whoever easy sleazy does it whoever um i'm gonna tell you i love the fact that this is like an ode to what used to be this matchup the pac-12 we agree is dead remember those great matchups those great shootouts we lead we cover a texas game at six and we get home at midnight and there's still a pac-12 game in the second quarter and it was always 45 42 and then the back in the day the big 12 produced these great quarterbacks Colt McCoy, Vince Young, and Bradford. The Pac, the Big 12 had shootouts as well. So I think this is kind of a merging of old cultures. I think it's going to be electric. I think the quarterbacks are going to light it up. The receivers are going to be great. And uh, the defense is going to be scrambling um, on January 1st because I expect this to be a circus. I can't wait. This is going to be such an exciting game. 
easily to me the most exciting of the two semifinals. PJ. Yeah, it's uh it's weird to have this Big Ten SEC matchup in the Sugar Bowl, right? <laughs> but it's mm-hmm. you know, I'm with I'm with said. This is I think gonna be an old school. Let's get one of them West Coast Pac 12 teams that score some points. Let's get Big 12 circa 2008 score some points. I I think I I think the the over under on passing yards is going to be about seven hundred. I still believe mm-hmm. it. Um, mm-hmm. I take the over. Take the over. I take the over. Yeah, you probably, <laughs> I probably will too. Um, I think Texas is just such a complete team. One question I have, and we all have, is that secondary, and that's the one thing that Washington does really well. That's why I think being a complete team might not win you the game, but it, it's going to be fascinating. And and Doug mentioned. You know, do you lose any rhythm in this month off, basically? Well, Texas lost their backup quarterback. And, man, for Texas' sake, I hope that doesn't factor in. I hope Quinn Ewers stays healthy. Because I don't care how many stars you have as a recruit like Arch Manning, a true freshman, having to step in a moment like this, that would be Texas' worst nightmare, I think. Don't forget to Clear TJ did not read our script, because that's definitely a question we're asking in a couple minutes. But Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> I couldn't yeah. wait. I, uh, I I think this is going to be an interesting match, matchup. Obviously, you know, Michigan's kind of been the cream of the crop throughout the entire season, and Alabama got that all that SEC aura to them. But, I mean, this Washington team and this Texas team, these are, A, two teams that two years ago were in the dumps. I mean, we all saw Texas lose to Kansas. I went to the University of Montana, and we beat Washington two years ago. Um, so that kind of shows you – where Washington was, but these are two teams behind excellent coaching jobs that have um, rebounded, obviously become become these national title contenders. It hasn't been without bumps. Um, I think seven of Washington's games this, this year have been decided by one score. Obviously, Texas lost to Oklahoma and had overtime against Kansas State, almost lost to Houston. TCU, play, TCU played it really close. So this, these are two teams that have, uh, are battle-tested, and it's going to be really interesting to see just kind of how they uh, go against each other. But I'm, I'm with you all. I think there's, there's going to be a lot of points scored scored in New Orleans, and that that's going to make for a fun watch if you're watching at, on home, at home on ESPN or you're in the, the press box like we are, which is, if I recall correctly, pretty high up there in the, in the Super Bowl. It's, uh, yeah, it's yeah. high up there and very yeah. cold. Um, Way up. Bring a jacket. If you've been watching this uh, podcast, webcast, whatever we're calling this offseason, or if you're a Texas fan, you obviously know a lot of the Longhorns by names, but you may not be familiar with the Huskies. So we'll go around the room. Um, Seth, we'll start with you. Who is one Washington Husky that Texas fans should know about? And we're taking uh, we're, we're taking the runner-up for the Heisman Trophy winner off the board. So we're going to have to get a little bit more creative with this. But who's a Husky everyone everyone should know? You know, Michael Penix wouldn't have put up those numbers without Roma Dunze. He's his best receiver with Jalen Polk as close second. Big-time playmaker, scary, scary after the catch. Um, we've marveled at Xavier Worthy's ability to make things happen after he gets his hands on the ball. Roma Dunze is the same type of cat. You won't see a better uh, matchup of four receivers uh, in any game that we've watched this year. Than those four guys, and you know, including um, Jalen Pope and uh, Ad Mitchell. So I am just excited about what Roma Dunze is going to do. Who's Texas going to put on him? Are they going to double him? Uh, or are they going to try to rough him up? He's he's a strong guy with big hands. That's going to be a problem 
for the Longhorns. And if you hadn't heard that name by now, you will on New Year's Day. TJ? Man, that Washington offensive line is really good. Um, don't take my word for it. I mean, they won the Joe Moore Award as the nation's best. Parker Brailsford, their center, he's the captain. He's going to be as good an interior lineman that's gone against Devondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. You know, he's up there with Connor Beebe for uh, Kansas State. So I, I think that battle in the trenches is going to be really fun to watch. You know, can Washington be balanced at all? You know, they have a decent running game, not that great, but decent. If Parker Brailsford has a good game inside against those defensive tackles of Texas, um, it could make for a long day for, for the Longhorn defense. Kirk, who's your, who's your Husky to know? Yeah, I want to see Dylan Johnson uh, play against uh, Byron Murphy and Devondre Sweat. I mean, he's the running back transfer from Mississippi State, and and he finished uh, the season on a tear. His last five games, uh, he averaged 137 yards a game, and and those are fighting words for this Texas defensive line, which has been special all season long. So, and it's not so much that Washington relies on the running game, but can you get that third and one or fourth and one gamble? Can you can you you know budge that defensive front and, and keep the keep the ball control? Because you know both of these teams can score quick and they probably will score quick. But there's something to be said for some long sustained drives. So I'm interested to in see how effective and how powerful a runner Dylan Johnson could be. I'm going to go on defense, which is not something you would think with this Washington team, especially their past defense. But I'm going to pick uh, Jabbar Muhammad. Um, last name sounds familiar because he's Malik's cousin, the freshman corner at Texas. So there's a chance if Malik starts, you'll have two members of the same family starting in the Sugar Bowl, which I'm sure will be fun for that Dallas area family. But um, three interceptions, 12 pass breakups this season. Obviously, they throw it a lot in the Pac-12. And so maybe that's why the Washington's past defense numbers aren't spectacular. But he'll, he's at least been a... You know, at least a, a decent um, – he's, he's been playing well this season, even though the numbers as a unit have not been showing for him. And he's going to need to play very well um, this this weekend in the Sugar Bowl, which actually brings me to our next question is, which matchup do you think Texas has a clear edge in? Um, I'll continue going because it has to do with the secondary. Um, I do think Xavier Worthy against this Washington pass defense, even though I just gave Jabbar a shout-out. Um, I think X marks the spot for this Texas team, and I think – He's better. He showed it last year. He burned them deep twice. He just dropped the ball. It wasn't because Washington was doing anything anything special. It was Xavier just um, was having having a having a poor game. We found out later he was playing with a with a broken hand. Although that may have been information we could have used earlier, Steve. But uh, you know, <laughs> I, I I think um, wide receiver wise, obviously Rome and some of the other guys on Washington are spectacular. But Texas has some. They have some guys too, and I think Xavier is going to be leading leading that charge. Uh, Kirk, what, what matchup do you think Texas has the edge in? I think special teams, and it's the thing that most people overlook or take for granted. And Texas, as we all know, has been spectacular, you know, in that phase of the game. I mean, you look at Texas, you know, also has five non-offensive touchdowns, not including the blocked uh, uh, extra point. It's Iowa State that was crucial. But Xavier Worthy, you know, All-American uh, – Punt returner on our Football Writers Association team. Ryan Sanborn has been great as a punter. Obviously, Burt Auburn, uh, the man with the hair. I mean, 28 field goals. He had 19 field goals in a row. So there's not really uh, that one big weakness on special teams. So I think 
as much as you know, we've talked about the offense and everything, I think Texas special teams gives them a big advantage. Human Human Robinson's playing so well that backup quarterbacks are getting hurt. Well, he's uh returning returning kickoffs are marveling at his uh return so much. Sad, who who's your pick? I'm not gonna apologize for agreeing with Kirk Bowles, but that of, of all the matchups, I mean that's the one that stands out. Te- Texas has been really good in that area all season. And they've had ups and downs in some of the other areas, maybe except for a run defense, but They've been nailed. I mean, punt return, touchdown, kickoff return, touchdown. My opinion, best kicker in the country. Um, And they haven't turned the ball over on special teams. So um, the one thing, the one thing, you know, block punts, they've had that. The one thing, the one thing that I, that I'm looking for is will they be able to cause a turnover on special teams besides a block punt? Will they cause a fumble? Will they be able to give Quinn yours a short field to work with? But I think we, Kirk, we've been covering this team a long time. This is good of special teams in all three areas, return game, kick game, punt game, that I've seen since I've been on this beat. And I've covered some really good special teams players in this program. PJ, who you got? Uh, I, I think Texas' biggest edge is is in the run game. I think if Texas can run for 250 yards, I think they're going to win this game. Ooh, control the clock. That's a lot. It is a lot, but they can do it against this Washington defense. Like Danny alluded to, Huskies are built for Pac-12, man. You know, Jabbar Muhammad's part of that good secondary. Braylon Trice and Zion Tupuola Fatui are great edge rushers. They're great edge rushers. They are built to get after the quarterback. They're built to cover guys. But they don't have those Byron Murphys or Tavondre Sweats in the middle. I think Texas can really muscle out a bunch of yards. I think C- I think C.J. Baxter is going to have a big game. Um, I think Texas needs to lean on their edge in their running game and Washington's inability to really stop the run. That's what that's what I see. Um, as we Thomas alluded to earlier, uh, Texas is going to have a few few. <laughs> Fewer. Um, I'm stumbling over my words here, but there's going to be less Longhorn than the sideline um, this um, weekend, just because of the transfer portal. Unfortunately, because of the way the calendar um, felt, some guys had to get in the transfer portal and move on with their lives. They can get on campus for the next semester, um, move on if they didn't want to be here at Texas anymore. There are a couple transfer portal um, guys who have stuck with the team, like Casey Kane, the receiver, who's going to go to UNLV. Um, Larry Turner, Larry Turner, good in the defensive back, who's heading to UNT after the season, but they're going to stay with the Longhorns throughout this uh, playoff run. But Malik Murphy, the backup quarterback, is not with the team anymore. He's going to be going to Duke, but decided to move on with his life. Um, Jalen Catalan, the safety, who started a few times this season, was expected to be a veteran presence, but kind of had some injuries get in the way before he came back at the end of the year. But he is in the portal, hasn't made his future decision yet, but he will not be with the team. So um, Jalen and... Um, Malik are obviously two big names, but either one of those did the loss of those two guys or another transfer portal guy, does that really hurt the Longhorns? Uh said we'll start with you. Um we'll start with you since you and Kirk were both there in two thousand nine when uh Texas kind of needed their starting backup quarterback to play well during the national championship game. But we'll start with you we'll start with you with this question. Well, our colleague Bob Ballou asked asked Garrett Gilbert that weekend on Media Day. What if Colt gets hurt and Garrett's like, oh, well, we don't want to talk about that happening. <laughs> and then guess what? It happened. And Garrett was not ready. 
And so uh, it can happen. Football injuries happen. And Arch Manning's coming home. And, and Arch Manning might be thrust in. It's not like Quinn Ewers is an Iron Man. He's not. He's not. So uh, the hope here is that Quinn Ewers goes wire to wire and Texas wins. And, and we're sitting there talking about a national title game this time next week. But the, 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 the thing is, it is what it is. And so um, as long as Quinn doesn't get hurt, then I'm not worried about those other guys leaving. I don't worry about that. And as for the future, it's the cost of doing business. Texas is always going to come with a bigger bag than most teams. So they're going to be bringing in better guys than, than the guys that are leaving. So I'm not worried about that, but it, it is beyond important that Quinn Ewers remain upright from first quarter through fourth if Texas wants to keep its championship dreams alive. Kirk? Yeah, I'm a, I was a little surprised Malik Murphy left before the game. And, yeah, I think all four of us agree he needed to move on and kickstart his career and, and get to a place where he is the starter and – that school believes in him and trusts him with the starting job. So, you know, I don't, I don't doubt that at all. I think he's going to have a, a, a big career, you know, at Duke. I think he's got that kind of talent. I, I kind of wish he'd stay just to experience a national championship game, you know, in whatever fashion, you know, whether he doesn't even get on the field, but kind of experience that ambiance and the atmosphere is kind of a one. He played a role, Doug. He helped. He helped. Oh, absolutely helped. And, and if they go on to win two games, he'll get a ring. There's no question about that. It, it's just kind of a shame he's not there to kind of enjoy the fruits of his own labor and his very meaningful contributions. Because uh, uh, you don't know what would happen if uh, Malik Murphy had left last summer. So, you know, I salute him. I root for him. I hope he has just a terrific career. But uh, I, I do wish he was there to at least experience I mean, you know, Jalen Catalan, look, he didn't make the impact that, that a lot of Longhorn fans hoped for, mainly because of injuries. But that safety position is a little thin, y'all, and at a bad time against Michael Penix and those Washington receivers. You know, we know Derek Williams, the freshman. You know, Sark confirmed last week he's not going to play the first half because of that targeting call in the Big 12 title game. So you're going to really have to leave on Jaron Thompson and Mookie Taff at safety, and they don't have a lot of depth behind them. Now, Williams will be available the second half, but they could use Catalan. They could use a veteran presence at safety who would understand what Washington's doing in the passing game. And not having Catalan, it um, could get a little dicey, especially in that first half. Yeah, I tend to agree with TJ. I do think the Catalan loss hurts UT's depth against a team that likes to throw it around a little bit. Um, obviously, if Quinn goes down, my answer is going to change. Um, but uh, it will be interesting to, if that does happen, to see you know how ready Arch is for the moment. We've obviously heard all the heard all about him. We've got to see him a, a little bit, but um, seeing him in the fourth quarter of a Tech blowout is obviously a little different than in a uh, college football playoff game. But Texas fans, as much as they love Arch, and as uh, much as the people on the internet love to read, read about him. I'm sure all Texas fans would much rather just wait until next year before they next see number 16 uh, on the field. Cause that means that Quinn is healthy and leading the Longhorns to wherever they need to be led for this season, but that's going to do it for us. We kind of just wanted to, I guess, shake off the, the holiday rust and get a little podcast up for y'all. 
Um, a couple of teases to get to before we get out of here. Kirk said, or do we have an on second thought podcast to get fans to uh to New Orleans this week? What's coming up on that on that podcast? Are we gonna go to Pat O'Brien's and do a podcast then? <laughs> I was muted. Sorry, guys. Um <laughs> we can, fam. I'm down for whatever. Um, yeah, we are traveling on Wednesday, and that's usually production day. So uh, right now, we, we, we're we in the planning stages. If you see us, you see us. If you don't, you don't. <laughs> and we'll be doing something a little different with the Longhorn Confidential this week. We'll be doing a, I guess, live broadcast every day that we are down in New Orleans. There'll be some form of the four of us on each on each uh, webcast. So be sure to uh, uh, tune in to our social media channels to kind of find out when those are coming and they'll be replayed on the website and wherever you get your podcast too. So if you want to listen to us that way, that's, that's great. But yeah, we, um, we're looking forward to this trip. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a fun way to close out this season. Uh, we're going to enjoy seeing what the Longhorns can do. We hope the fans follow along with us as we, uh, see where this season ends up taking us, but yeah, thanks for watching us on YouTube, wherever you are listening to us, wherever your podcast, but we'll see y'all in New Orleans. Deuces. You say, just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.